actual Bible on your phone if you have service. <laughs> Let me hear word when you're there. Word. Okay, I got one word. word. John 17, what? John 17, 2 and 3. Word. Right, I got two words. Word. Word. Alright, that sounds word. like word. Alright, so this is what Jesus is praying to God, right? Um, this is his father. He says, For you granted him authority, he's talking about himself, um, over all people, that he might give eternal life to those who have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus says the eternal life, um, that, that thing that we were all looking forward to, is to know God. That's what it is. Um, and the Greek word for know is actually, I might pronounce it wrong, ginosko, ginosko, who knows. Um, but it means like, to, like in the Jewish uh, context, it's like a, an intimacy in marriage. Like that's how close God wants a relationship with us. Um, and he wants that forever. That's why it's an eternal thing. It's communion with God forever. Um, and so we can know him now here on earth. We don't have to wait until later. Um, and... Uh, yeah, like, let's start spending time with God now. Um, there's this question. I read this uh, scripture a couple of months ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, um, and it really challenged me because I was like, wow, um, we all, like, we want eternal life, and if that's exactly what eternal life is, why am I, like, why is it a struggle to spend time with God now, like, if that's what it is later? Does that make sense? Um I'm going to read my actual question that I wrote. What? I said, you follow. You follow? Okay. I'm, I'm going to read it. So, if this is what eternal life is, and I don't want to spend time with God now, why do I want eternal life later? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm talking about what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what what does spending time with God look like? We went over this in the test a little bit, you know. Uh, it, it doesn't have a rhyme or reason of, like, what you want to do. Like, like I said, worship or anything like that. And like she referenced and we talked about a little bit earlier, it's like that it, it's like a marriage and like you are building a relationship with the creator of the universe. You know, he knows your thoughts, he knows your heart, he knows what's going on, but he wants to spend time with you and he wants to hear you. He wants to hear your confession. He wants to hear your problems, the stupid things in your head that you don't want to say to anybody that you're embarrassed about. It doesn't matter, but that's like the stuff that you would tell your wife or something you would tell your friends that you're close to. So he wants to hear all of that. Um, so no, no thought is really stupid because he's already heard it in your head. But if you tell it to him, then you feel heard, and then you also take time, which is very important in your quiet time, to listen to him. I feel like in this society today, um, just we have like the biggest egos in the world, and I'm one of them. Um, I'm like always talking when I have my quiet time. I'm like, all right, God, this, this, I need to work on this and grow in this, and these are all great things. And but. You know, why am I, like, a person that is, like, full of sin and, like, this and that and whatever, doing all the talking when listening should be when I want to listen to the Creator and have Him tell me and talk to me. Um, now, whether that looks as He's actually talking to you, I don't know. I don't know about y'all, but God's never talked to me like that directly, like, some voice in my head. Otherwise, I feel like I'd be in a psychiatric ward, but that's a different story. Um, but... Um, the big thing is that, like, it's for real. Like, the creator of the universe, we're, if we're talking more than him, it's a relationship, right? And if you're in a relationship where someone is the only one talking and not listening, 
then would you really want to be a part of that? Would you want to be, would you call that a relationship? I call that a monologue. That's in a play. Like the only person is talking and it's like a long introspective like thought like Shakespeare or something like that going on. So it's important also to talk to God and to be with him, but it's also to listen and to be quiet and ask him to be like, Lord, I don't even know what you want to teach me right now. I don't know what's going on, whatever it might be, but just fill me with your presence, Lord, and tell me what you want to tell me. And it's just sitting there for five to ten minutes. It's just something that I found is super hard in the beginning. Um, I could barely make it to like a minute and a half um, of being like silent and trying to clear my brain. But actually becoming and taking the time and effort to do that, I've gotten to like five. I'm not like, ooh, like six and a half minutes now, right now, of being able to do it. But it's so hard because thoughts go through our heads, things like that. We get distracted. Satan puts words in our mind or thoughts or whatever that we don't want there. And we're trying to focus and just listen to what God is trying to tell us. So it's super important um, to actually listen. You know, otherwise it's not really a relationship. You're just talking to anybody. Like the, the person you're talking to or spending time with, it doesn't matter who it is because you're just the only one talking. Does that make sense? Everybody follow me on that one? Um, so with that, it's very biblical um, that you go into your inner room. Um, it says it, I can't remember somewhere, um, somewhere in the gospel, I can't remember right now, but um, that you go in your inner room and pray. Um, Jesus talks about doing that. And that's when, I think it's in, what, Matthew? What, Matthew? Is it Matthew? There we go. All right, Matthew. Um, but you go in your inner room and pray. Um, and the whole point of Jesus trying to say that is that you go to a place that is quiet. Distraction of the world around you, whether it's friends, even if it's like other disciples around you, that you go to them and you spend time with them like he did in the 40 days and 40 nights. And back then, the inner room that he was talking about was actually not like, the most like furthest room or like solitude room in the house. It was actually like the room what, where like they kept their most valuables, like the most important place in the house that very few could enter, but only like some would go when they needed to get something big or important. So that is what he's talking about. Not so much like the valuables in there, but the significance of the room, as in you are spending time alone in a quiet place with God with as little distraction as possible. Because your head and your mind and your thoughts already have enough. That always has enough for you. So with that, she's going to talk about with what's got on our hearts. Yeah. Um, so <coughs> we're going to look at another scripture. Let's go to Psalm 119. It's like one of the longest chapters ever in the book. I think it's, it's so the longest, right? Yeah. Oh, it is the longest. It's not longest. one of them. Yeah. Yeah, the, the longest. longest. Okay. The longest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, give me a crispy once you're there. Crispy. Psalm 119. We're going to read 9 through 15. South Carolina's got your, we got crispy. Honestly, just came up with that. Uh, yeah. No, nobody else does that one. I'm going to start using it, though. All right. Do I have any crispy yet? Crispies? Crispy. Crispy. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. <laughs> All right. Let's read. Um, verse 9 says, How can a, pers- a young person stay on the path of purity? So how can we stay pure? What does it say? By living, like, sorry, I didn't finish reading. By living according to his word. That's how we stay on the path of purity, right? Verse 10 says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Um, so this is just like kind of a reflection. 
do I seek God with all my heart? Or just some of it. Um, do I seek him on Sunday mornings? And maybe like Tuesday nights, at, you know, midweek and stuff? Um, at Bible talk on campus? Do I only seek him when I come to a retreat? Um, he, wants to, he wants us to seek him all the time. Um, verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What does it mean to have something hidden in your heart? Um, just think about it for a minute. Like, that's not like a very common thing that we hear, right? Having something hidden in your heart. So what the heck does that mean? Um, I kind of think it's like so ingrained into you that it becomes who you are. That's your like your first response when like there's situations happening. You don't go to like your fleshy responses. Um, you really you turn to what Scripture says, and that's how you start acting, um, not going to sin. Um, and it just becomes intertwined with who you are. Um, but I will say it, take, it takes work to get there. Like, it doesn't happen like you read it and you're like, yes, got it, you know? Um, it doesn't happen overnight. And that's why we need to read and study his words intentionally and consistently. Um, and we'll be more equipped over time by doing that. Um, so verse 12 says, praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Um, do we ask him to teach us? When we open up and read, do we ask right before, like, in prayer, hey, God, open my eyes, open my heart um, to, to know what your word says? Do we ask that? Um, verse 13, with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Can you imagine being able to memorize all the laws and the commandments? What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I, like, I, there's no way. There's so much. Um, but I think it is important to, like, start learning them at least. We do need to, like... We need to try to memorize them. Um, so when things come up, like I said, having it hidden in your heart, when things come up, the scripture comes up. And you know exactly how to react. Um, and so I was just thinking, as I was like reading through this, a couple of months ago I got a really bad speeding ticket. And it was really expensive. And um, I also just happened to be reading, what? Super speeding. <laughs> Sorry, it's like a smaller group, so now like it's more interactive, I feel like. Um, but yeah, I had a, a bad speeding ticket and I was actually studying out the book of Romans and chapter 13 talks about like obeying the laws of the land. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> okay. That got me. <laughs> um, and I, like I'm from Texas, our speed limits, like there's interstates that the, the speed limits are like 90. And so that's what I was used to. Now I live in Tennessee and it's like barely like nothing over 70. So I'm, I was, like, always speeding. That's just what I'm used to. And now I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that is not what God calls me to do. Even, like, I feel like it might be a silly thing, but it's something that I've really been, like, trying to figure out and have a conviction in. Um, and so, yeah, like, it was just super helpful. Um, and now, like, even driving here, I was struggling with it. I was like, oh, I just want to get there. I'm, like, trying to, like, speed and get there. And I kept having to, like, be like, <coughs> Also the land, like, you gotta, you know, I want to be obedient. Um, and again, that was a couple of months ago, and I'm still, like, working on it. That's what I mean. Like, you gotta work at stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, let's see. Verse 14. It says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Do I rejoice in his words? Do we rejoice in his words? Um, it says, he gives words of wisdom and salvation and guidance Am I joyful that he's given this help to me? 
Um, I don't think that I've necessarily hit the joyful aspect of the speeding ticket and that conviction yet because I'm still struggling with it. Um, but it's definitely taking root. Like, it will be ingrained, you know, hopefully soon. Um, and I'll be equipped. Uh, verse 15, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Um, so precepts is another word for, like, laws and stuff like that. Um, do we meditate on his words? That's, like, a good practice for quiet times, meditating on his words. Do I really sit down and consider or think about the ways that God would react? Um, and try to make my life reflect the way that God would act. Verse 16. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Um, I think if I would have got that speeding ticket and not been studying out, you know, that chapter of Romans 13, I would not really have the conviction. I would just be like, oh, that was expensive. All right, keep going. Um, but I really feel like sitting down and like studying and like spending time in the word has helped me to build that conviction now. Um, and so I think even with that, like, I do delight in that decree because like, he's probably protecting me from, you know, doing crazy stuff on the road or protecting somebody else. And I really, I'm grateful for that. Like his words are for us to be protected and to help us and everything. And so that's my little spiel on the word. Um, and just how important it is that we should, you know, really take it into consideration in our lives. Let's go. Well, I got a lot to repent for because I speed a lot. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, you, don't, you don't think about that. Those, those small things like that we were talking about last night. Uh, Dom was talking about last night. The small sin that gets in there and then builds to bigger things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Like, Psalm 119, we could pick, like, at least three-fourths of Psalm 119. And it's super long to talk about how to pray, how to do this, how to spend time with God. Um, that's just one that touched your heart and uh, moved through it. But I, I, I implore you to look at it on your own time, on your next quiet time, to look at Psalms 119. Because it's going to take a while. It takes a, it's, it's like five pages in my Bible, I think. So it, it's pretty hefty. But there's a lot about prayer. And there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, but right now, we're going to turn to Deuteronomy 6. We're going to go Old Testament. Old Testament right here. Oh, old school. O-T-O-T. Double O-T. Deuteronomy 6. What? Yeah, uh, Deuteronomy 6. Yep. So, like, guys, but before, before you even go this, like, your walk with God, your spending time with God is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be interactive. Some days, it's, it's like, I can't stress it enough. It's like a relationship, okay? Not everything's always good. Not everything's always bad. It's ups and downs moving through it, okay? But you should want to spend time with God, okay? You should want to be like, hey, I want to spend time with you because you humble me, because you make me a better man or woman, because you are the better way. And I've lived my life 20 years with the book of Garrick, and it sucks. Like, it's horrible. I've hurt so many people. I've hurt myself. I've been so deep in sin that I don't even know where I'm at. So I want to spend time with someone that can move me for that. You spend time with people in your ministry that you think will also lead you to that as well. So why not have that same thing with God? Okay? Why not have that same basis? Okay? It's not going to be fun all the time, like I said. It's not going to be bad. But it's something that you should get in the habit of doing. Whether you're feeling it, whether you don't want to do it, whether you do want to do it, 
it's something that you should try to get doing in your schedule consistency. You want to spend time. But Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9. Oldie but a goodie. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That is interesting. Bind yourself on your foreheads. You want, God wants us to have the word on his heart, our hearts so much that we'll put it on our foreheads so other people can read it and are reminded of it and not forget it. He wants you to remember the precepts. We as humans are so easy to forget the, the word of God. It is basically the entire Old Testament. People having miracles done, God reconciling them with each other, reconciling their relationship with him, restoring it, bringing it back to order, and then they go away as they get through the generations. They move farther away in sin. But if you remain constantly with God and spending time with Him and building a quality relationship, there is less room to wiggle, to move back away and forget Him. Okay? The entire Old Testament. And to say that we're not like the people back then, I used to read the Bible Old Testament and be like, wow, these Jews are the dumbest people in the world. Like, why do you keep forgetting the Lord your God. Like, he has done so much to you. Do you forget about Egypt and whatever? I just remember the New Testament. And John, he's talking about how, like, he's telling a bunch of Jews and a bunch of Pharisees about how he's claiming to be the Son of God and what he's done in Egypt. And they keep taking him literally in what he's saying and saying, yeah, we were never slaves. And then Jesus is like, and he's like, you were slaves 400 years ago. When God brought you out of Egypt, how soon are you to forget? What are you doing? Why are you not listening to me? Um, so it's just, it's really important to write it on your forehead, write it on your mind. Talk about it with people. Talk about it with God. I can't tell you the times, the weird times that I've caught myself being like, yeah, God, I'm just feeling like this uh, scripture. And I'm like reading out in my head tomorrow. I was like, wait, you wrote that. Like, why am I reading this to you? This is so weird right now. Like. Or like, hey, you guys have like this moment where like, you know, I just pray that, you know, God is always on my heart. Wait, I'm already praying to God. Like, I just said his name twice. Like, what's going on here? It's just weird things like that. But you always want to write the scripture in your mind on his heart. And the word is the living word is the closest thing that we have to God. So we should have it on our hearts. We should write it on our forehead. We should tie it to our wrists. Um, I haven't fully studied out the tying of the wrist things, but I do know the writing on the wall and the forehead thing, I'm um, talking about just really doing it so you see other people. Other people see you living it out, see you knowing the word, see you loving the Lord and being along with him. Um, that's really what they were trying to set the standard to um, back then. Um, I think moving on, let's see, where is time here? Okay, um, so we had a little bit on humility. So having time and spending time with God is like, you have to be humble. You have to humble yourself before a creator to learn, to be able to want to receive his teaching, his rebuking, and his correcting, to want to be able to receive his encouraging. You have to be able to humble yourself. 
Um, study these out later. We don't really have time for them, but Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. Um, it talks about uh, elementary teachings and being firm in your foundation with Christ at the cornerstone of like being on infant's milk. You don't, uh, if you're like on spiritual milk, then you don't want to be swayed. You're easily swayed if you're not rooted in the foundation of Christ when new teachings or hard times or anything come. And this is a great way of spending time with God of how you do that. Um, another one is Ephesians 4.14. Uh, another similar thing, actually, along with what we we're doing today. That's about like the only scripture that I got in here for quiet times that uh, I could do with that. But uh, it talks about infants being tossed back and forth by waves of any teaching or anything that came their way. So know and do you know God and his word enough that you, when someone says something false or says something that is not true or twisting a scripture, you'd be like, hey, that's not right. That's not what you're doing. That's not what he's saying. This is not it. Do you know it well enough? Do you spend, a t- uh, spend enough time with it? So with that, we're gonna actually going to go to Matthew 7. Uh, and we're going to stay there for two of these things. We're going to do 21 through 23 first. <laughs> yep, a lot of scripture, a lot of scripture. It's uh, not ironic, but there you go. Uh, so Matthew 7, 21. I think we all know this one. This is one of those scriptures that I read and I get scared. Um, that and like if your righteousness does not surpass that of the Pharisees, then truly I tell you, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That and this one go pair it along with me. Because a lot of times we're dogging on the Pharisees and stuff like that. They're like, oh, you guys didn't get it or whatever. We're really no different. In fact, they're probably better in some aspects. They had laws, things we talked about, memorized, understood worn on their hearts. They wore it on their wrists and their foreheads. They just didn't have the heart and the relationship with to talk about it. Okay? So there is a way to know the scripture, but also not to know God at the same time. Um, but here we go. So, not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Let's just let that sink in. Because my heart sinks a lot of times when I read that. Like, I'm not performing miracles. I'm not casting out demons. And even these people with these great actions of God are not going to make the kingdom of heaven. He says he never knew them. If that's so much more that they had those, those performed those actions, not a but still didn't know Jesus, how much more is it important that I build a relationship with the creator and actually know him and he knows me. I recognize his voice and he recognizes mine. He knows my heart and I know his. It's just, it's just really scary to me. Uh, like the intimacy, like we talked about, how do you pronounce that word? G- Gnosko? Gnosko. Gnosko. All right, the Hebrew word to know. Gnosko, yeah. Gnosko? It, it's, it's the Hebrew word to know as an intimate of your wife. Like the intimacy to intimately know God, right? That is what the know, to know right there. Um, I think so many times we commonly use that as like, oh yeah, I know that person. But like you're really just like acquaintances with them. Like you barely know them. You don't know their life, their story, and all like that. Like I somewhat know a lot of you. Some of I know more intimately that I could use the word to know. So I hope to get to know all of you. And if I don't, I mean, that's okay. But what I do want to get to know 
is God. I want a gnosko level with Jesus. Um, these people have done so many actions, like I said, all right? And they have, but they lack one thing that really matters to you. Day to day, waking up, denying yourself and carrying your cross. <clears throat> Deny yourself and carrying your cross. You are dying to your old ways in life and your sin. They did not have that then. The parable is like, this parable is like learning a subject. We're all like students, right? Been here before, students eventually, right? You go into like history class. You learn about this one person. Like, you know, all these facts, you can say them all like 50 facts. Let's say you're a really good student, okay? You know, all these 50 facts, you're ready for the test, you're good to go, all right? That is, you know so much about them, but do they know you? Do you have a relationship with them? Just because I have all these facts and all these things memorized about them, and I, when you say know them, does that mean that I know, that they know me and I know them intimately? Is it a relationship? Okay. That's where the dynamic comes from, the heart. It's just not the brain, it's the heart and living by the relationship. Um, let's see. So Jesus wants to have a relationship with him and live like he did. To do that, though, we have to know him. All right, we're not... We're not performing miracles. I, I mean, I, maybe y'all are. I'm not. Like, I'm not performing miracles. I'm not casting out demons right now. But do I feel like I'm walking intimately with God and I do know him? I feel like I do. And I look forward to learning more about him. Um, with that, we're going to go to right down lower. It's Matthew 7, 24 through 26. I think we all know this one. Uh, Wise and foolish builders. That is the title he's in my Bible. Um, so, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sands. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So, with this, I think we, for the most part, know what he's talking about. The two houses that you're building on, the foundations that you're building on. You have one that's built on a relationship with God, and Christ is the cornerstone. It's referenced many times in Isaiah, and he talks about it in the Bible. Um, and then you also have one that's built on weak convictions. It might be, it looked like very nice, very nice house on top and it's, like, it looks nice. And even like some of the part of the foundations are stone and firm, but you have cracks in your walk. And eventually, without repentance and moving to those, it will get whittled down. So here's a little story with y'all. Um, this is actually happening right now in my life. Um, for the past two months, I have a, I have a kitten. Um, her name is Luna. I love her so much. She's amazing. Um, but she's a very... From when I got her, a very sick kitten. Um, but to this point, the past two months, she has been really sick. Taken to her doctor. I've spent thousands of dollars on her trying to figure out what's wrong. They cured one thing, but then another thing came up. Blah, 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 all this stuff. I'm not even getting into that. That's not the point. But I love this cat. Um, I, more than a lot of things that I've done. Um, but I've spent not only money, but I've spent my time trying to take care of her. She is extremely tired all the time. She doesn't eat anymore. She doesn't drink hardly. Um, like I'm trying to, I have to force feed her with uh, a syringe and wet food and water um, daily. 
Uh, before that, I tried to like sit down with her and like I sat there for hours and I would just have a quiet time or talk to someone and I would sit down there for hours and try to feed her. Um, the reason why I say this is not like, oh, sympathy or whatever, but the, the what I'm trying to connect to is that if you are just going to TNL retreats, if you're just going to um, all these events that we have for you, you are being force fed. You're being force fed the word of God. You're willingly going there, but you're being force fed a relationship and a walk with God. Okay? You are getting your bare minimum necessity of what you would call a relationship with someone or God. Okay? If you are only going to the retreat and that's the only time that you're spending time with God or TNL or what we call it TNL, midweek or devotional or church on Sunday, then you are only getting your bare minimum. And that those things that are created for you and that we spend hours that I, I just recently got on staff planning for y'all is only giving you a lifeline. It's only giving you rations of what you are, what we want for uh, your relationship with God. And you have to build that yourself. We do all this in hopes that some of you, hopefully all of you, but some of you at the very least, go on your own time and do it yourself. Build your own relationship with God. Walk with him intimately. Spend time with him, okay? Um, if you are just coming to TNL and doing all this stuff, I, I'm sorry. You're not really experiencing what God is like and the whole purpose. TNL or midweek or retreats are all worthless compared to daily spending time with him, praying, worshiping, and whatever, reading in the Bible with him. It's not really comparable, okay? Don't be force-fed. Don't starve yourself. Whether you realize it or not, you are starving yourself of a relationship that you would want to last for a lifetime. And it will not last. It will be like the soil. It will be like the building the house on the sand. It will crash, whether that is a year from now, whether that is two days from now. It will crash when something, persecution, trials come in your life. You will see where you stand with your relationship with your God. With that Christian God. Yeah. Um, all right. Can I be vulnerable with you guys real quick? So when they asked me to do this class, I was like, why? <laughs> because I feel like, like I'm <coughs> staff in Nashville, right? And I feel like I've just not been feeling super connected with God lately. I was just like, why did I have to do this class? Like, I, I'm struggling with this. Um, and it makes sense because I feel like I've learned a lot um, just in, like, studying it out. But, like, some of the things I've been trying, like, we kind of talked uh, when we were planning about, like, weird things that people do. And I was like, what do you mean weird things? Like, how do, you know, what does that mean? Um, and then I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, I do weird things. Okay. Um, so somebody, like, put uh, this idea in my head of going on a date with God. And I was like okay, that's cool, you know, and so uh, a couple weeks ago, I went on this date with God, I made a whole thing of it, I dressed nice, I, we went and got pho and bubble tea, um, <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things, and it was, it was just a really good time, um, and so kind of like livening it up, I guess, um, and just having fun with God, I think is just really important, um, and I just, I realized that this semester being on staff, I've really been like working hard and like trying to like study the Bible with people and make disciples and all of that. And I started to rely more on myself. And that's where like that humility kind of just started to fade away. Um, and so I'm actually reading this book. It's called The Prideful Soul's, Soul's Guide to Humility. Super great. And I was actually going to read a quote real quick. 
Um, it says, you will never find a humble person who does not pray frequently, fervently, and faithfully. A man's prayer life, or woman, uh, prayer life is the barometer of his humanity. Find a man who prays little, prays in rote fashion, and prays to check something off his list, and you have found a man who is not humble before the great and awesome God. All, peop- all humble people know there is a great God. They know that they are not God. They know they desperately need God. They will frequently be found on their knees. Um, let me skip down. Uh, they will pray with others and not just plan. If they are leaders, they will call their people to prayer. They will not put more confidence in prayer than their, or they will put more confidence in prayer than in their own insight, skill, experience, and instincts. Major repentance is needed in these areas in many of our lives, but we must understand that our failure shows not just a lack of discipline or lack of will, but a lack of humility. And so that's what like got me. I was like, oh, I'm self-reliant right now. That's what's been happening. Um, and so another not weird thing um, that I've been trying to like put into practice in quiet times is my prayer pros- posture. Um, so I don't know, like, when was the last time you guys have prayed on your knees? Has it been a long time? I feel like it's been a while for me. Um, and actually in Nashville, uh, we had a, a whole church service where we did this. And we, like, we, like, I don't know, we had a whole auditorium, and people were, like, bowing down. There were some people, like, laying down. Um, and so there's a couple of prayer postures. Um, I know we only have a few minutes. I wanted to actually do some of them, but I don't think we have time. Um, but I just want to hit on three of them. So there's kneeling. Um, that's when you're, like, you're bowed down, but you're, like, you know, on a chair or bed or, you know, you've seen that picture. Um, and that's really meant for pleading and begging um, with humility. And so I would encourage you guys, next, next uh, quiet time, pray on your knees. Like, there's nothing more humbling than getting low. Um, and then there's bowing. And that's when you're kind of like, uh, you're on the ground and your, your head is down and your arms are down. That's bowing. Um, and that's meant for worship. That is acknowledgement of God's favor and acknowledgement of our sin. Um, and thanking him for his sacrifice and his grace. And that one, like, that one gets me too. Um, and the, the third one I wanted to talk about is laying prostate, prostrate. Mm-hmm. Got prostrate. it. Um, I she practiced it many times before. <laughs> I keep saying it wrong. We did talk about prostate last night, though. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, prostrate. Um, okay, so it's meant for surrender. And that's literally just laying flat. And it's like the lowest that you can go. I think sometimes I'll be, like, bowing and praying, and then my ankles or my knees will get tired or, like, start, like, falling asleep. And I'm like, hmm, I feel like physically I'm being humbled right now. And I, I just, that means I need to get lower. Um, and so that is, yeah, that's a mint for uh, surrender. And it's when you're at wit's end and seeking breakthrough, um, which I feel like that's where I've been lately in my quiet times. Like, God, why am I not, like, feeling like I'm connected with you right now? Um, and, yeah, again, it's the lowest you can go. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to encourage you guys with, like, your next time with God, like, just do that. Like, get down low. Um, and that's really the, that humility that we were talking about. Um, just, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. Well, you got two quiet time contents right there. Psalms yeah. 119, the, the humility scriptures in Ephesians. And what was the other one? I can't remember off the top of my head. Hebrews, yeah, Hebrews, Ephesians. Um, 
But yeah, guys, this is super important. I know it's like one of those things that you want to just checklist or that it's so easy to get into like a routine or whatever, or sometimes super hard. When I first became a Christian, um, like I said, like I was like, what is a quiet time? What are you talking about? What does this mean? I didn't really get consistent quiet times like until like a year after a Christian. Don't let that be you. Don't let that, if that's you right now and that's your state, you are being force fed right now. You come into these events, these retreats, these midweeks, they are like trying to tell you, hey, wake up. And it's all for the goal for you to build a relationship with God on your own. Because I, I can't do it. Kirsten, you can't do it. No, no one else can do it but you. You can only spend time and have that relationship. Um, you carrying your walk with God based off other people's relationships with him can only take you so far. And it definitely won't take you to the gates of heaven if people that are performing miracles and casting out demons in Jesus' names are not considered ones that know him as well. So really take time. Um, it's a habit-building thing. It really is. Sometimes you have to deny yourself and you have to be like, oh, I don't really feel like doing this. Or even like when it comes to your schedule, be like, I'm a big sleeper. I like to sleep. I like to sleep in. You know, my mornings are only two hours when other people's are like six, you know. Um, but a big thing that I've denied myself in, and I've tried to is really like waking up an hour before than I think I want to or need to, you know. So I like, I think on my schedule, say it's at nine o'clock. All right. I need like, let's say an hour to get ready. All right. All right I'm waking up an hour before that or 30 minutes before that. And I'm starting with my day with God. And I am, whether that looks like worship, whether that looks like some days I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, I'm doing that because it is important. Because if I want someone to look at my life from like a bird's eye view, I want them to see that like I'm crazy for this old dude 2,000 years ago um, that I never even really met in person. Um, I want him to see that. I don't want him to see like, oh, he was tired, he slept in like a normal thing. I want him to see that there's something different. And not just for like, oh, yeah, look at him, look at me. But like, that's the degree that I want a relationship with God with. Um, so, yeah, we got a couple more minutes. Um, does anybody have any discussion or anything, thoughts on that? Um, any questions, comments? But I actually think we should end. Isn't it at 1030 or no? Yeah, but they want us done at 1020. So. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Just so you guys can transition to your next. Sure. Um, this is just something I've been trying to implement in my life. Like you talked about, you know, like waking up an hour early. Um, we're just like doing that before like, you go on your regular schedule. Um, I tried finding the passage. I haven't found it. Um, but even Jesus would go, um, he would wake up early, like, earlier than like a lot of other people. And he would go and uh, just pray. Um, and so one of the things I've been doing a lot, and maybe this would help everyone here, is um, if you have a schedule, just like wake up 15 minutes before that schedule really kicks in. Mm -hmm. Just start off your day with prayer. Yeah, like, you know, it's in Matthew and Mark. I can't remember. It's in the latter part. I, I tried, I tried yeah, it's in the latter part. Um, uh, this is one specific part. Before he's getting crucified, he actually goes into the garden. And uh, Peter and John and James were with him. And they're like, they keep sleeping and whatever. Um, but yeah, that that is something that like he gets up in the morning. He does. He starts his day off with God. If something's like the most important with you um, in the world, like do you start your day with it. Does that reflect what you claim through your lips, through your actions? You know? It's just really things you have to reflect on and you have to think about. Um, and it's okay if it's not. Okay as in the fact that, okay, realize it, but if you want to live this life and you want it to be a lifetime goal, you have to change it and you have to continually work. You know, what, uh, 
was uh, down in the live stream last night, Emily, she was like talking about like, you know, change is not fun. Repentance is not fun. Um, even though you need to sometimes, and you know you need to most of the times, like you still, even though you know you're in a bad place, just the work that you have to put in to get away from that is like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's daunting sometimes, but it's, it's really important. Like don't just, don't just be getting force fed or be on rations with your walk with God because you're not really fully experiencing the relationship in the first place. So thank y'all for coming. That's all we got.